Warning. According to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car or operate machinery and may cause you to become confused as to what liquids you should drink and liquids that you shouldn't, such as liquids with volatile sensitivity to changes in temperature and or pressure, liquids that require two mechanical seals to stay put, non-lubricating liquids that produce gases and or solids that may or may not be abrasive, liquids that are seriously goddamn sensitive to agitation, liquids that react with each other to form a solid, which is an absolute nightmare, or limitlessly lubricating liquids a nightmare at the other end of the rectum. Spectrum, take it from Spoon. And lastly, anything at all consumed by Should I Drink That.com. Welcome to episode 121 for Should I Drink That.com. I am your host, the Most Reverend Father Spoon. I have one heck of a show planned for you guys. We're going to start off with a few beers. Also, I was at Bill's Bar and Burger recently, and I got to meet uh, Chef Michael and Chef Claire. Spent the evening with them, drinking beer, pairing it up with some uh, with some of their beers, and let me tell you, heck of a night. Great people. We're going to hear from them shortly. But first, the beers for tonight are courtesy of our friends at Super Sub and Six Pack in Dubois, Pennsylvania. You can visit them at supersubsixpak.com if you're looking for them. You've also heard from them in episode 119, the Hogtoberfest. Got to hang out with those guys up in Punxsutawney. But if you're looking to get a hold of them or stop in and, and see the awesome six-pack selection, and their taps are pretty kick-ass too, you can find them at 85 McCracken Run Road, Dubois, Pennsylvania, 15801 for your GPS locations, or just email them info at supersubsixpack.com. Remember, that's S-I-X-P-A-K. Or give them a ring on the phone. They like to talk. 814-371-0700. Okay, as we get these beers ready here, really cool thing that was a part of the fine folks, because that's all we have on this show are, are fine folks. You jag off and team and family. Everyone from the Pittsburgh Podcast Network invited me to the arrival of the 2016 City of Pittsburgh Christmas tree. Huge honking tree. <laughs> I had to bring this thing in on a big flatbed. Wow. I think they said it was 55 feet, pretty close to it, spruce. Special thanks to Hogshead Bar and Grill for the pulled pork and coleslaw. Very awesome food. I got to review that kind of as proxy with the food tasters. We were joined by Johnny Angel who sang a bunch of Christmas songs, sang Pittsburgh theme songs. I got to check something off my bucket list, I guess you could call it. I got to eat barbecue and sing Christmas carols with Johnny Angel and a few of the Halos. Pretty awesome. And if you're a Pittsburgher, that's a huge yin-splosion right there. Also got to talk to Mr. Christmas, Bobby Cherry. And James Hill from the mayor's office was there along with the Jagoff Party candidates, who unfortunately did not win the presidential election. So John Knight, Kathleen Conway, who Kathleen, I found out, is a big SIDT fan. So Kathleen, thank you for introducing yourself and letting me know that you listened to the show. Awesome meeting you. I, I guess John was okay. You guys didn't win. Um, you still have my vote, though. And thank you also to everyone from the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. Great time. Everybody on the team, thanks. Uh, good time. 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'm eating pulled pork. Not the worst way to start a Saturday. Can't complain. Tree looks awesome. Can't wait to see it for light-up night, which will be November 18th, which is this Friday. Should be all lit up and ready to go downtown. 
So our first beer is going to be the Wicked Weed Old Fashioned. The bartender is always there for us, our reliable companion who deliberately crafts the perfect cocktail with every dash of bitters and teaspoon of simple syrup. It is the spirit of precision and passion for the craft that has led to our old-fashioned ale. This cocktail-inspired beer is gently aged in fresh bourbon barrels with black cherries and finished with fresh orange zest, all painstakingly measured and mixed in the spirit of camaraderie. Muddle your cherries, but not your time, aroma, and bitterness. With an infusion of orange zest to complement its high alcohol and green hop additions, finishes with a dry hop process, pours clear medium amber. This beer comes in at 10% alcohol. Wicked Weed is based out of Asheville, North Carolina. They have a place called the Funkatorium, and I guess these guys are known for their, their funky beers, their sour beers. So we're going to see how this one stacks up. Pretty excited to, uh, to finally get my hands on a, a Wicked Weed beer. Thank you once again to everyone at Super Sub Six Pack for making this a possibility. Oh, wow, I'm getting a lot of, uh, a lot of cherry and orange. This actually smells like a, this smells like a, uh, a little bit of a maltier old fashioned that I've had. I'm actually a big fan of old fashions. You get a little bit of a sweetness of the cherries in it, picking up some of the, uh, the oranges. All right, let's give this one a drink. Cheers. Oh my God. It tastes like an old fashioned. Wow. This is. I'm impressed. I'm picking up the cherries. I get a little bit of the, the orange zest to it. Oh, there's a sour. There we go. As this is warming up, oh, there, and there's more of the cherries. The cherries are coming out as this warms up. Um, picking up oh, picking up some sour notes. But on the back end, and, th and this is what's interesting with this. So you're, I'm getting cherry up front, orange in the back. It's kind of like a mullet. This is this is the mullet of of craft beer. Wow! I almost want to have a cigar with this. This is this is wow! This is top notch. This is good, you guys. It's not boozy at all, which I was concerned about when I saw that it was ten percent. Because either it's going to come in hot with the alcohol, or they're going to find a way to balance the heck out of this thing. And they did a fantastic job. Uh, also, kudos on the artwork too. Now, fantastic beer. Ooh, what's that? A little zing at the end of that one. It's not, uh, it doesn't have a lot of linger to it. Really good head retention. This will definitely warm me up on a, a nice winter evening. I feel like I should be sitting around a campfire too. So as I sit back with this fantastic beer, I have a special treat for you. Last week I sat down with Chef Michael and Chef Claire from Bill's Bar and Burger, downtown Pittsburgh. Very generous hosts. I was down there to try some food, pair it with some beers, and just talk. See what's going on, talk food, talk beer, and what a conversation we had. I'm very excited for you guys to listen to this one. Another cool thing, too, is Chef Michael was on Chopped. He's like super champion of Chopped. He's been on TV for this thing called the Tomahawk Steak, which I didn't know about till I saw, till I did some research on him, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy makes the most unbelievable steak He'll start talking about that. Great conversation with both Chef Michael and Chef Claire. Chef Michael is the corporate executive chef for Bill's Bar and Burger, and Chef Claire 
is the executive chef here in Pittsburgh. Sit back, crack open a beer, and let's get the Bills. Welcome to Bills Barn Burger here at the Westin. Uh, we are glad to have you. Again, we are lovers of all things beer, burgers, and meat in general. We are a meatopia, if you will. Uh, today we're going to sample some great items off of our menu. So what do we have on tap for today? So, so today we're talking about our East End Blackstrap Stout. Uh, really great fall beer in, in 70 degrees uh, November weather here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, so we wanted to you know, taste it, think about the notes, how it plays off of our menu and some of the items that it would come up with. You know why they, they started making Blackstrap Rum was originally had um, all this excess sugar from when they were... Uh, it was for the Navy. It would last longer on the boat. They wouldn't drink as many because it was too sweet. Chef Claire really had some interesting tasting notes about the beer. Chef, why don't you tell us about them? Um, as I was drinking the East End Blackstrap, I noticed uh, a lot of coffee notes, molasses. Um, oh, that rich caramel maltiness almost. So, keeping with those ideas and those notes, we thought about a lot of things that it would pair with. Obviously, it's meat, uh, roasted meats, and burgers in general. One of the things we love to do here at Bill's is really create that crust, that crunch on a burger so we have a signature way that we cook them on our presses that produce this beautiful crust on a steak on a burger almost steak like which you're going to experience a little bit the burger that we have paired this with is our black and gold it is a black pepper crusted patty with cheddar cheese and a worcestershire shallot jam oh we're also going to be pairing it with our um, slow roasted short rib. We take the short rib and we roast it for 72 hours. Oh, wait, 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 72 hours. 72 hours. Three taking... days goes into this. <laughs> we take, we take a it's like fermenting of... beer. Also working with barbecue. I deal a lot, a lot with meat staying in a smoker for a long period of time, especially with slow briskets. Yeah. 72 hours though? 72 hours. 72 hours. We crust it with black pepper. Um, coffee, coriander, a little bit of salt, and we s smash it all into the meat, get it nice and tender, and then we roast it off. And so we, we, God. we cook it for 72 hours sous vide, okay. and then it is charred and roasted on the pickup. And everything is done here in-house. Oh, yeah. Everything here at Bill's is done in-house. It's completely scratch kitchen. We're not like those other guys, purgatory, that... Uh, you know, buys all their products in and things like that. We cook from scratch. We make real vinaigrettes. We make sauces. We make stocks. We make soups all from scratch here at Bill's. Now, for our non-foodie listeners, what is sous vide? So sous vide is a process where it imparts time and temperature at a controlled temperature without loss of flavor or moisture. So it's, it's a fancy way of saying boiled in a bag, sort of. <laughs> it, what it does is sous vide is French term for under vacuum. You're taking a piece of meat or vegetables and cooking them at the exact temperature that they coagulate, the proteins coagulate at. So for our short rib, which is a very unctuous piece of meat, extremely fibrous, you want to cook it slow and low for long periods of time to let the connective tissues break down. V allows us to do that without drying out the meat. How did you know 72 hours was your sweet spot? Time and temperature and lots of testing. <laughs> We've done 48 and tried to rush them at a higher temperature. Mm -hmm. 
And Chef can tell you, it, it, you can taste the difference. Really? Buttermilk cooked uh, chicken breasts at 13 minutes at 172 degrees are pretty insane. You know, so it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, as you can see, I'm not shy about testing the food. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lot of playing around. So what is it that got you into Bill's Bar and Burger when you were a steak guy? Chef Claire Lise is the chef here. She's the mastermind behind it all. I'm here just to assist her and help her with what she needs. She's my mentor. No, I'm not. <laughs> we work in tandem. They're both blushing she's right my, now. She's my boss. <laughs> she runs the show. So, you know, Bill's is a natural progression for me. I love meat. I love steak in general. I think there's so many great things going on in Pittsburgh, on at Bill's in general, and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and this this offer came, this opportunity arose. I, I jumped at it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because like I said, I think there's great things going on at Bill's Barn Burger, as well as in Pittsburgh in general. And the team here at Bill's Barn Burger in the Westin is phenomenal. We've come a long way in a very short amount of time, uh, and we continue to grow every day and get better. And you've been here a year and a half, correct? Correct, but I've only been involved for since April. Uh oh, here we go. Oh, my. Can I beat your timer? Goodness. Oh, wait till you guys see this. If you're on the Should I Drink That Instagram feed right now. <laughs> oh, I, I feel bad if you guys didn't eat yet. So, Chef Claire, a little bit about your background. When I heard that Be Our Guest was putting a restaurant in Pittsburgh, I kind of jumped on that opportunity. I was um, at a small burger place in Market Square called Diamond Market. So then I made the transition over to here. Um, Before that, I spent time at Mitchell's Fish Market over in the South Hills. Um, My husband and I travel a lot. So I've been to Maui, San Francisco, Phoenix, North Carolina. So we've been away throughout yeah, the U.S. Basically, cook around. So you catch a lot of different styles, a lot of different techniques, um, a lot of different experiences to say. You know, so I think I have a, a vast variety of skills in my back pocket. Um, and a huge palette from her travels. Yeah. She's a fountain small, of wealth and travels. Small palette. Huge palette. <laughs> <laughs> well versed. Um, and then we like to we like to mix it up here with our daily specials as well. Um, we have risottos, soups. We do specials of um, weekly. You know, just try to keep up with what's going on in the scene, what's seasonal. Okay. Um, but I, I too enjoy meat. We are in Pittsburgh, are right? In Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, we it's, like it's a meat country. <laughs> we're, not, we're not salad people. I like the meat and potatoes as well. You know, I mean, just hearty meals. What's your favorite dish to prepare for yourself? For myself, yes. spaghetti meatballs, like nice. mama's, you know, like grandma makes homemade spaghetti, 20 eggs for go. two people. Nice. Usually, yeah. You put your eggs in your sauce? No. So have you ever had a hard-boiled egg in your Sunday no. gravy? Okay. My grandparents were, my grandfather's from the north of Italy, my grandmother's from the south, and she would always put a hard-boiled egg in the sauce because it sucks up the fat. Really? Let me tell you, that hard-boiled egg you fight over. It's pretty good. Try next time. Yeah. Well, these plates look amazing. Taste even better. My God. I think you should go for the burger first. Burger first? All right. Just go whole hog on that thing. Just jump right in. Is it burger first? I think you go burger first. So that's uh, everything that's local. That is a a Mediterranean pretzel bun. It's a curtsy proprietary blend. 
It's a two-hander. Here we go. Oh my god. Worcestershire Shall Jam. Dijonese. Dijonese. Oh, I love that bun. That's fantastic. Compliments it all. See, and I didn't even have to tell you how I like my burgers cooked too. So we we try to aim for a pink and juicy scent, you know, steak. Yeah, so that's pink and juicy wow. burger. It's also very messy, which I like. You will need napkins for this. You know, I believe in when you grab a burger, you shouldn't let it go until it's done. Grab two hands, shout out on that. You are a man after my own heart. <laughs> oh wow! What I love about the burger too is when you're pairing it with the beer. It almost takes the uh, the experience of the beer to a new level. It's bringing out a lot more of the chocolate out of the beer. That's that with this year pull. But it's, yeah, it's really pulling out the chocolate, which I, and ooh, there's the coffee. Yeah, it's really bringing out the coffee notes. The coffee and the chocolate, it's it's almost like it kicks it up a notch. So it's a real eight ounce burger too. You know, we don't want to come into a preformed patty. They're all hand pressed, hand formed. It eats well. It doesn't taste processed. Doesn't have that commercial feel or taste something that I really kind of hate we went through I don't know 17 different blends of hamburgers before we really found one that we liked and Chef is methodical and, and maniacal about testing our fat in our burgers she's very much about you eating this burger today and having this food memory and coming back in 3, 4, 5 weeks hopefully not that long in between <laughs> but remembering and getting that right. same great burger a lot of work between those buns. I like the sweet potato fries too. Me too. I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of any waffle cut fry. But what I love about the waffle fries, as opposed to the shoestring, they stay crispy. They do. There's more surface area for them to crisp up. One thing that just really stood out with this burger too is the pickle. I like the pickles. Now, did you go through different types of pickles before you came up with the right ones for the burger, or are you buying locally or? How much testing do you, I mean, have you guys put a into lot. a lot of the, the so items on this weird. menu? I mean, from 15 different ketchups, six different varieties of Heinz other products, um, countless different bakers for buns, everybody for their patty, local and not local. Um, there's an extensive amount of R&D that went into these burgers, from the B&B pickles to pickle, uh, not, Pittsburgh Pickle Company. Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh Pickle Company. Um, we use their um, banana peppers. The pickles come from Ohio, Andersonville. All about being the best we can get, as close to home as we can get. Um, you know, it's really important to us. That's a Heinz but, spicy ketchup too, a jalapeno Heinz. I've been, I've seen the jalapeno Heinz on the shelf, but I haven't had it yet. It's delicious. Yes. Heinz really does make great products. What you like mm. end? Slow burn. <laughs> we do a special on game days with the black and gold sports platter which has mini bees on it our onion rings our jalapeno bombs um, and our boneless buffalo wings do a nice sports platter for your friends everybody can share it one thing I, I really liked when I came in here too is I noticed that the bars up front and then there's still other areas around here to socialize too with plenty of TVs so if you do want to watch the game the TVs aren't very loud which is good most people don't listen to it anyways when they're they're hanging out at a bar but we're back in an area that is still very, I don't want to say it's, it's not secluded. It's but very it much in the, intimate. It can be because I, I see there's a divider mm -hmm. over there. So if you do want to have the intimacy of the back room for your parties, you can do that. But also the main bar area too was, it was pretty jumping when I came in here. 
And my first thought was, oh, it's too loud. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this back half was even here. And then I, I saw the outside bar, too. Because usually I come up from the other side, so I'm never walking around by the, the front over here. And um, I think the nice thing with that front, is, especially during the summertime, yes. is I, I'm I sure that's a very popular area to go. You essentially have three different bars. Um, or do you have more that I haven't seen yet? Yeah, and then we have a private room in the back. You can shut the doors and we do private parties back there. So there's still more going to the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've actually had the last Home Stiller game. We had games on all the channels, the music off, and like you could hear each individual game. So, I mean, we had people watching all different games. So this is our short rib. Uh, it is a whole short rib. You know, most people only see a smaller version, usually a four by a three by four. They're called. This is a, this is the whole short rib plate. So it's the actual length of it from the lower navel of the cow. Okay. It's coming from ribs seven through eleven. So that's why you're gonna get thicker ones. It wouldn't be they'd be more riblets uh, as you taper down in the rib cage of the steer. Uh, this meat is all certified Angus. Um, so it's no dairy cow or Holstein of that nature. Um, it really eats like a steak. We wanted to do something kind of communal and fun, but at an affordable price point. So after a lot of talk and deliberation, we did put on a great steak because we believe there should be a great steak. Um, but we also wanted something for two. This is the ultimate couple's dinner. Yeah, it's fun. It's not your red wine classic braised. You know, it eats like a steak. It's really meaty, really unctuous, super savory. Uh, with the spice crusting, you know, a little greenage for the salad. And the pickled mustard seeds add a little pop and uh, acid to cut through all that fat. Now, I was going to ask you this about the burger. And, the, I mean, this is this is glorious-looking meat right here. With, with <sighs> Beautiful crust on it. Uh, do you have your own rub that you use on everything, or is this just your peppers and and that's it? I know that places such as like BJ's uh, Brew House goes to Big Papa Smokers and uses a lot of their, their specific rubs. So we make our own blends and spice rubs here in-house at Bill's. Uh, this spice rub on here is all Chef Claire's. It's, it's a mixture of coriander, coffee, pink peppercorns. Um, in different varieties and amounts. You know, she toasts by hand, she muddles them by hand, so it's all crushed by hand. So none of the actual uh, the aromas and the oils are lost in the process. It keeps it all authentic. As well as the burger, it's it's our coarse ground pepper. We're not buying butchered black pepper, we're buying whole pepper and we're milling it ourselves. We also cook on a very specific type of griddle that allows us to ensure these great crusts and jars that I think, or I agree, I think Chef and I agree, transform the meat. Well, you can definitely tell that you put a lot of love into this, especially after listening to that description. <laughs> this, this feels like a home-cooked meal, like this, this is your baby. It, we, we really love what we do. We care about it. It took 72 hours to make that baby. <laughs> it took three months and 40 pounds on me <laughs> for us to, you know, dine around. <laughs> Where does the passion come from? How did you get into food? Yeah. Be- besides just yeah. loving to eat. So, like, <laughs> what, what made you say, you know what? I, a child, I was you you could tell me this. I gotta cu- I'm going to cut this, and you tell me all about it. 
as a child, I was always uh, surrounded by great cooks in my household. I didn't want to be a chef as a child. I didn't think about it. I wanted to be an artist and travel the world. Um, I went to school for fine art, and, and I enjoyed to paint and stuff like that. Um, in my later years, I was thinking about going into banking and finance. Um, but I was always cooking the whole while, whether I was working at bagel stores or delis in New York or pizzerias. I was always around food. Uh, I then got an internship at a small restaurant called La Bernadette, uh, the, the seafood temple of the world. And it kind of took off. I didn't know then what I was learning, but the bug was instilled in me. The camaraderie, the teamwork, the family aspect of kitchens. I really love it. I love the Herculean strength that goes into every night's service. I love how you can take these lowly ingredients and turn them into something else. Um, and those are things that I still admire today. That's very sweet. You're up now. <laughs> As a former art school person also. <laughs> well, I'm still, I, I, I'm still I, I, an artist. But your but your art well and the Art Institute of Pittsburgh had culinary school too. So Chef I, Claire <laughs> is a graduate up <laughs> there. No, of the not. of the Art uh, Institute. No. Come on. No, I'm not. May I? Oh absolutely no, go not. for it. I did not go there. You went where did you go? You, you could have lied to me so I'd feel good about my alma mater. Kayla went there, I think. Kayla went there. I think Kayla. Kayla I went to IUP. Because it, I did that option because after you went to culinary school, you can go back and get the restaurant management class and get a, uh, a full degree in restaurant management along with a culinary arts degree. But I decided not to do that. <laughs> I decided to pack my bags up and move to Maui because I thought it would be a better idea as a 20-year-old. But no, I got Moving to, to Maui doesn't sound like such a no, bad idea. No, it was an awesome idea. Um, I, mine's the same story as his, you know. Just growing up with my grand grandparents and family and everybody cooking, um, and it's just the aspect of you know, on Sundays everybody sat around a table and ate food and it made everybody happy. So it was kind of like, oh, I like to do that. I like to make everybody happy. Um, I think so many people don't do that anymore. No, I, I, they don't. You know, it sounds so trivial. Because like mostly it's mostly Sundays where you know, you get smoke the food cooking before you get up breakfast then they have lunch and then you go into dinner and then football church and all that kind of stuff but nope my passion started early for food um took a trip to england and ireland in high school and when i saw what other people were eating then i was kind of like oh this is really cool you can eat that part of an animal and not (laughs) be like sick and after that it was kind of like i'm gonna go to culinary school mom that's awesome. She was happy about that. You know? <laughs> my mother's a saint. My mother's a saint. Literally. Where are you from originally? Clareton. Okay. So, Pittsburghish. Yeah, Pittsburghish. Mon Valley area. This short rib is melting like butter in my mouth. My God. It's, it's pretty tasty. I can see what you mean about seventy-two hours. Oh yeah. That is. You know, it, it needs like. That's the perfect pink. Yeah. Well, that's that's from that slow sous vide cooking. Mm. Right now we have this paired. With the Anderson Valley Bourbon Barrel Stout, which is uh, 6.9% ABV. Uh, this American Stout is aged for three months because we're all about aging things now. <laughs> or low and slow. That's aged for three months in wild turkey bourbon barrels. Oh, yeah. That explains the smoothness I just got out of there. Uh, the brewery was established in 1987 in Boonville, California. We've had them on the show before, but never paired with food like this. I think we, we probably had it with hot dogs last time. 
Well, we were poor when we were deficit podcast like that back in the day. <laughs> yeah, this is this is amazing. So much about cooking is passion and common sense. You know, people constantly ask me, family members, you know, how do you do this? How do you, you know, something looks like it's burning. Hot starts probably burning. If the recipe says it's 400 degrees and it looks like it's too high for your oven, turn your oven down. Right. It, it's so much of that. My mother, God bless her, I love her. She was always famous for making things crispy. She, you know, melting a lot of Tupperware in the house and making things crispy. To this day, she's still doing that. Um, so she has no children to blame it on. So <laughs> the house is empty. Can't blame me. No, can't blame me anymore. I have distracted her. Yeah, my father, God rest his soul, he, uh, <laughs> when he, whenever he would cook, everything was charred. But he was the first one that, that told me, he goes, you have to know how to cook a steak at least. He's like, every man know, ha, has to know how to cook a steak. Fry an egg, you're set. Yeah, and he always did his steaks well done, and I just figured that he liked it charred. And my mom finally told me later, she's like, your dad doesn't know how to cook a steak. He just, he throws <laughs> the meat on there. He likes to think he knows how to cook a steak. And then I, uh, I came down to Pittsburgh to visit my brother once, and he took me out. And I remember I had a steak that was medium rare, and I'm like, this is different. I, I kind of like this. And then I kind of grew from there, and I remember as a kid telling my dad, I really want to learn about barbecue. I think it's just really cool. It's not something that we had up in Erie besides we would go to, like, the Ponderosa. That was the extent we, we were filled. Ponderosa and Bonanzas, man. That I mean, yeah. that's where it was at. I'm like, all right, well, I really like the sauce. And then finding out later, it's not about the, just about the sauce. It's about the whole process of low and slow, and there's a whole culture behind it. And we traveled down Too south much, once, and... Not. It's it's unbelievable, like the the world that gets opened up to you now, especially with the internet and how available knowledge is. So if you want to find out about something, you see something on TV, you can just you can look it's it up and it's there in your hand. It's so great. Young cooks and, and young avid uh, foodies in general don't remember anything. Gourmet was the only uh, game in town. Now kids can Google recipes, look at videos, search YouTube. Instagram, Twitter, you know, Snapchat, there's all these things just at their fingertips constantly. You know, it's such a great world. My kids watch old reruns of uh, Kids Chopped. Oh. And my oldest son, who's seven, now, well, he he homebrews with me. And he works on some of the barbecue stuff, too. But he likes to bake with my wife because he sees kids doing it on TV. So he thinks, if they can do it, I can do it. And they're, they're a little bit older than him, but he doesn't see the age difference. He That's sees awesome. it as... I want to try this, and if he has something good, he says, how do I make that? Which, big thumbs up for me. I'm like, yes! Yeah, that means we get to do something. Let's do it together, exactly. We have a manager here who brought over his wife. Is it a soon-to-be wife? Fiance? Fiance. 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 His fiance's family's 100-year-old sourdough starter. Oh, my God. Yeah. What I really like with this Anderson Valley and, and this specific dish, the short rib, is that the fat within the short rib is, first of all, it's melting like butter. That's part of the, the whole buttery experience for me. But with this being aged in the wild turkey, which is going great with the spices that you use on here, I, I think this is absolutely, when you're listening to this show, this is the best pairing that you're going to have. I'm, you could try multiple beers with this all you like. My personal choice is going to be for the Sanderson Valley. And this is one heck of a meal for two. And when you see the pictures of this, I am not eating this by myself. 
So what's one thing you would like to do in your career that you haven't done yet? I, I want to open a restaurant internationally. I've opened restaurants. You know, the furthest I've gone was Puerto Rico. And I've opened up all across the U.S. I would like the experience of opening something in Europe or Asia. I can't tell you where the meat will be from. <laughs> like, if it's... Well, honestly, I, I, I've thought this through. It was... In Asia, I would use Australian beef. If I was in Europe, I might use Piedmont beef or ship containers. And Europe's a lot easier than Asia to get good steak and meat in general. Uh, Europe is a little bit harder because they really fear mad cow. But if I was in Asia, it'd be a lot easier for me to get all the offal of Wagyu. Um, and that's something that I would enjoy cooking with because I can't get that in the U.S. Is there any other type of meat that you have a problem getting in the U.S.? No. Scottish game season just started for us. Uh, I have wild birds hanging in New York aging with real bird shot in them and everything. Wait. You, when a bird is freshly shot and killed, mm -hmm. you want to let it age. You want to get some funk on the meat. You're going to taste that. For me, that's what game should taste like. A little bit of that real flavor. You don't want fresh game. You want it to have a little bit of rigor to it and some age to it. Okay. Um, one of the things I like to do at Strip House, not so much at Bill's, is we do a lot of aged poultry, whether it's ducks, uh, whether it's woodcock or pheasant, uh, things of that nature. How long do you age the birds? There you go. Depending on the bird, yeah, it could be from three to ten days. What happens if it goes over the ten days? You can keep going. You, you, it's all right. Um, what, what changes like in their, the flavor profile once so you go over that? What happens during aging is blood loosens loosens up, fat coagulates, it uh, renders at a high, lower temperature. The meat tightens up, it loses water weight. So you really get a meatier piece of meat. Much like a dry aged steak. And also the skin becomes very hard, almost gets a, uh, a skin to it, if you will. The skin gets the skin. A, 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 a patina, a leatheriness to it. Which really adds to the sear and crunch of the final product. Okay. I can show you pictures. He's got pictures. Some people show pictures of their kids. I can do that too. <laughs> this is the great thing with, with phones now too because I've got barbecue on my phone and I've got my kids. And beer. A little bit of everything. That's the things that are most important. Whoa, check that out. <laughs> oh, that was sweet. So those are... We'll have links to the photo that I'm looking at right now. Those are Hudson Valley uh, squabs being aged. Really adds depth you're out there hunting right now and you get a bird let it hang a couple of days make sure you eviscerate it take out the liver you see what I mean <laughs> after it's it's roasted see aged duck breast yeah like it's like a potato chip that skin it's so nice and crispy oh wow and the meat stays nice and unctuous you can tell it hasn't bled out or anything that's from the aging process tight steaky duck you look pretty happy. I, I am very <laughs> happy. This is where the should I drink that and Yin's Love BBQ worlds are colliding at because I'm getting the best of beer tonight and food. The to All right, I gotta, I wanted to ask you about the tomahawk. I, the first time I saw a picture of that, I'm like, there is no way this thing even exists. Yeah. And then I saw videos about it. 
because your name's all over it when you because I ended up so I'm like all right I got to find out more about this so I searched it and your name is everywhere about it I'm like this is perfect because I'm gonna talk to a meat guy tonight. Tomahawk, it was, we want to do a big steak for two. We want to do something fun. Tomahawk's coming to play. I love ribeyes. I think it's probably my favorite steak. It's got two cuts married into one. You know, with the beautiful decal or the spinellas on the bottom. That carriage, if you will. Um, it's, for me, pound for pound, the best piece of meat on the steer. Maybe next to the tongue. But that's a, a private thing. I, I love <laughs> tongue in general. Um, but Tom Walker we were just playing around with and wanted to have something fun. We wanted to see if we can get, again, just like our short rib here, a longer bone and play with it. It's been wildly successful. Huge um, rave reviews. Everybody loves it. Everybody wants that Flin Fred Flintstone yabba-dabba-doo moment. You know, they want that. I don't think you'll be knocking over any cars, though, with it. No. So do you have any uh, personal accounts you want to talk about? Promote? Like, say, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? You're going to visit Claire, C-L-A-R-E, 77, at Instagram. And I'm Michael Viggs, V-I-G-G-Z. Excellent. Thank you very much for everything this evening. I had a great time. Thank you, Chef Claire, Chef Michael. Thank, Thank you. Great evening. <laughs> How about that interview? Oh, my God. What a great time with those guys. I had so much fun there. So you can find more information about Bill's Bar and Burger on their website, billsbarandburger.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can find them at Bill's Burger PGH. And also, I will have links to Chef Michael's and Chef Claire's Instagram accounts. You have to check out their, their food pictures. They're so good. Oh, I, I can't even put into words how awesome it was. To be able to sit there, not only talk food, you got a lesson on sous vide from one of the masters of cooking. And I got to check out his, this great Instagram feed. It was a good time. Had a great night. And also, I have one more special treat from them. You also got to hear about two great beers that we had that evening. It was the East End Blackstrap Stout and also a very, very nice beer from Anderson Valley with the, the bourbon barrel aged stout. Two fantastic beers. Links to all these will be in the show notes. Final beer for tonight is going to be the Trogue's Wild Elf. Big fan of a lot of Trogue's beers, especially the Troganator. And now the Wild Elf is a... It's an 11% American Wild Ale. Ballots and cherries from Peter's Orchard in Adams County, Pennsylvania. Wild Elf grows from deep roots, courtesy of our oak fooder, and pure local flavor derived from wild yeast that rode into the brewery on the back of PA-harvested ballots and cherries. Based on the Mad Elf recipe, Wild Elf goes through a long secondary fermentation in wood barrels, unveiling tart cherry pit and farmhouse bliss. This bottle-conditioned limited release is highly carbonated, it comes to life when the cork pops, which we're about to get. So think of this as a, uh, a nicely aged Mad Elf. 11% alcohol, 20 IBUs. That's a lot of cherry in that. You can smell some funk in this. Two beers with a little funk. Have to be the Funkalicious show. Wow. Oh, that, that smells strong too. And this is coming in at 11%. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's sour. Whoa. Oh, I like the cherry. 
that is a very very tart um, very clean and a little dry well, and it's sour if you haven't gotten that it's sour it's not an overpowering tart sour that you would get from a lot of beers that are listed as sours uh, the, the sour fades rather fast which I'm gonna let this warm up a little bit to see what other flavors or flavors come out of this thing this is one of those beers that you definitely want to save. Uh, I, would, I would grab a couple more bottles and and age these for a while to see uh, what what happens as this grows a little bit older. It's something that you would want to have in the celebration. Hey, and speaking of celebrations, congrats to the Drinking Partners podcast for reaching their 100th episode. Uh, congrats to Dave Bracey and Ed Bailey on reaching number 100. I was on their episode 84, which there's a link in the show notes for that. Two great guys. I, I loved hanging out with them. Uh, they're doing a lot for the podcast community, a lot for Pittsburgh Entertainment in general, especially with comedians. So if you get the chance, check out their website. You can find out everything on epicastnetwork.com. That's E-P-I-C-A-S-T-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. You can also look them up in iTunes under Drinking Partners Pod. Dig it. Good job, you guys. Congratulations on reaching that milestone. Uh, it only took you guys a few years. took us eight, I think. And you guys have a lot more fun than I think most people should with the podcast. You guys are, are doing some rock star stuff, and congratulations. Also, this Wednesday, November 16th, I will be at Bocktown for the 10th anniversary podcast with Jason Sircone from Over a Couple Beers, which is part of the Pittsburgh Craft Beer Network. We'll be there uh, roughly around 8 o'clock. There's also a tasting going on that night with Noblestein Brewing, which uh, you guys know I love Noblestein. You know I love the Hop Hired Hand. You know I love the the Hefeweizen. Pretty much all their beers have been really top-notch. So if you get the chance, uh, head on out to Bocktown, celebrate with us, have a couple beers, maybe listen to us record, and uh, see what kind of magic we can have happen because after you have a Hop Hired Hand, things get pretty beautiful. To find out more about over a couple of beers, you can go to breakingbrews.com. Final thoughts on these beers. Uh, really, really pleased with the Wicked Weed Old Fashioned. Tasted like a, a definitely a, a very well manicured old fashioned, but a little bit thicker. I would buy one of the, uh, I would buy a six pack and sit on these for a while. That's definitely a beer that you want to have uh, for a good night. Sit back, chill, relax. Wild Elf, uh, this is a celebration beer. I think uh, holding on to this for another year or two is going to make this a stellar beer. Right now, it's uh, it feels a little young, even though it's been sitting for about a year. I think it, it could use a little bit more time. Definitely love the sour notes, uh, the tartness, and the, the black cherry that's in it. Pick them both up if you get a chance. I'd pick up a couple. Drink one now. Sell her a few. Make sure you're keeping up to date with all the news for Should I Drink That. You could follow us on Periscope and Twitter at SIDT. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Google Plus is Should I Drink That. Snapchat, SIDT Beer, and Untapped is username Spoon. Subscribe and rate on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now here's the, the final thing that I was alluding to, the thing that you need to check out. Here is Chef Michael talking about his experience on Chopped and the behind the scenes of what it's like to be on that TV show. It's so much easier now than you. Why? So when I do Chopped, they walk you through the pantry. You know, if you're any, your 
you know, if you have any kind of game plan, you're going to take stock of where things are, you know? Quick once over, try to commit that to memory, you know? So you'd go in there and you'd be like, chicken stock, you know, left top corner, you know, and you're down here, this, that, like, at least for me, that's what I was doing. So then you go into the sequester room and they move everything around. <laughs> so, like, you, you can't will, grab your music yeah. yeah. So, like, I knew that, like, whatever ingredient they gave me, like, I had a basic idea that it would be some sort of wacky thing, protein, this and that. So if you have solid technique, you'll be okay. But I also knew that if I grabbed whatever I needed in the pantry first, I wouldn't have to spend all that time. So if you're watching my episode, I dump everything out, I grab my basket, I just load it with shit. <laughs> Knowing that if I needed it, it would be right here and I wouldn't waste all that time with the people, you know. I don't know I Stick to your gut and just keep going. So does each person have their own pantry? No. Because when they show it... I grab it. If I grab it, I have it. Like you'll see, like my dessert round. I took right. a loaf of bread and it happened. Threw the rest away. I took the chocolate. I took a little bit. And I threw the rest away. <laughs> that is messed up. <laughs> see, because the way that it's edited, it, you can't. You can never really tell if it's. You can never really tell if it's one big pantry or if you guys have each of your own because everyone's looking for their own stuff. So, so I, I was always wondering about that. Like a straight line. You know, you're here in the lines. You see all the people cutting the tables in front. Judge over here. Over here is a huge camera crew. You're not allowed to go in front of the tables. All right, that's the rule. You can't go in front of these tables. All this is what exactly what you see. There's a pantry of goods here, then the spice here, and a little fridge here. Back prep sink, uh, anti-griddle, which they didn't have when I was there, sous vide machine, recirculator, and a cryovac, uh, they didn't have when I was there, and then a small tabletop fryer. <laughs> and then behind each line is another set of, uh, it's like a dummy okay. wall, where people can, they can film from there. And you have two pe- you have two cameramen per person, and then uh, two aerial camera people. So one camera, yeah. yeah. It took from so you, when I did it, you meet uh, at this diner called the Courtsmore Diner, which is down the block from where they film in Long Island City in Queens, New York. Okay. And you meet at five thirty a.m. Right. So you get to this diner, and there's like you know two dirty stay outs, and then like other people with chef with knife bags. So you're immediately like sizing them up. Chop, I hadn't seen that many episodes. Chop was only third season. So I thought this was part of, like, the, the show. You know, like, because I mean, it was fucking mad dog people, you know? <laughs> He's in the zone. Yeah, right? Well, you know, you, you got to, yeah, like... think about that. Yeah. Yeah, right there, you got to psych people out, you know? And uh, now they walk you over, and they started off, and literally it took from 5.30 in the morning till 8.30, uh, finished at night. So it was a whole day of shooting. I would do it again. It's a lot of editing, too. It's a lot of editing. I think they're better at it now. From what I understand, like, the shit, it's a lot faster. It's, I'm sure it's more streamlined. Yeah, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> we do all your interviews and stuff after the fact. None of that's live until after the fact. Judging is real? Judging is real. The timeline is real. You have no idea what's in the baskets. That's real. When they say go, it's it's go. Like, that. Like I thought, yeah, yeah, it's legit. It's not like Iron Chef that give you three different options of things that it could be. So you can sort of plan it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you ever watch an episode and then think, I have no idea what I would ever do with that basket? Sometimes, yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes they give these guys some things, you know, you're like, Ugh. it really takes you a second to put your brain on it. I think it's tough to do when they do, like, leftover specials. You know, they're like, turn this pie into... Something repurpose, you know, this egg sandwich. Like, 
Like that to me is, I think, a little tougher. Okay. And starting with the raw ingredient, because you have to be way smart and think about, kind of break it down. You know, if you have like an egg sandwich, per se, kind of break it down and do an aioli or an emulsification of some sort, it'll still work. Things like that. Wow. So, yeah. It's, so the prepared foods, I think, are harder. Okay. Anyway. Now more warm. So how do they find you? I don't know. I did a talent. Uh, I got called for an audition. They asked if I would be part of it. You do a screen test. And that was it. That was it. That's I've been funny. an alternative three times for Iron Chef. And oh, I that would be called fun. yet. I really want to do Iron Chef. In case somebody gets sick. Yeah, I've, I've never like, been the, the demand. Yeah. I've been the you think you'd have some cred, though. Since I'd like you, to think that. You've already got a title under your belt, so... Sort of. I guess so. <laughs> I'll get to it, though. And I'll win. I promise that. I got my team drafted. We're ready to crush Iron Chef. So who would you go up with, against? Oh, Bobby Flay. Absolutely. I would beat Bobby Flay. Either him or Jeffrey Zakarian. One or the other, but that's about it. And Bobby Flay, I think, would be a, a fun one to beat. He's a tough competitor. He's scrappy. Oh, I can see that, yeah. He fights to the burner. He's done the most battles out of any other Iron Chef next to Morimoto. Morimoto, I think, is just a suicide mission. Like, the guy's <laughs> a fucking badass. Like, 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 he, he was doing Iron Chef when it was dubbed. You know, like, come on, bro. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? That is true. The original. When I was a young cook at Clementine in 99, when the whole, I don't know if you remember the Bob Flay Iron Chef uh, Morimoto thing, I was yeah. at the battle at Webster really? Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we all got tickets. It was a big thing in the air. Fun. For should I drink that dot com, this is the most Reverend Father Spoon. Good beer, good night.